This is the Better Angle, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Your hosts, Kate Constable and Cameron Smith. Right now is all about the Super Bowl, Cam, because the game is tomorrow. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, we've been talking about it at nauseum for the last two weeks. I'm excited to stop talking about it in a couple days, even though we're going to take the next two weeks after yeah. the game to analyze everything yeah. that happened. So it's, I mean, it's going to be great, but also a huge week in the NBA this week with the trade deadline. So we have to discuss some of that. You hosted an awesome show over at stadium, breaking down all of these trades with Sham Sharania. Uh, and so you kind of are, I think it'd be a little bit of as an NBA insider as well. Oh, thank you. You know what? So yeah. Much, Kate. That's the love that I'm talking of about. Course. No, it was a great special uh, 90 minutes with, uh, I'm going to say it, the NBA insider. Right. Sham Sharani. Well, that's why, because you, yeah. For sure. And we also had former uh, tenure NBA vet Pat Garrity was an assistant GM with the Detroit Pistons. We had Danny Green, three-time NBA champion on, and my man Harrison Sanford co-host of Inside the Association with me, and we do that Monday through Friday on Stadium. Make sure you check check that out at 3 p.m. Eastern. But it was a great, great show. One, because there was so much movement before and also during the show, Mm -hmm. and that was my worry. I'm like, okay, all these moves are happening. I hope this just doesn't turn into a recap show. And it wasn't just that. But the biggest move for me that I saw were the New York Knicks Mm -hmm. and them acquiring Bojan Bogdanovic and also Alec Burks. And people forget that Alec Burks is coming back to New York City. And he's a guy that's just a knockdown shooter. I mean, talking about a guy that's 40% from three, along with Boyan Bogdanovich, who really spent his years in Detroit, his two seasons there, the past two seasons that he was there, and did nothing but produce. 41% from three, a guy that's a veteran, that understands angles and spacing, and will fit really nicely within his offense for the New York Knicks. And this is a Knicks team, fourth in the Eastern Conference, I think that they could t- can continue to improve themselves and be possibly top three, maybe, maybe even second behind the Boston Celtics because what we've seen for the Milwaukee Bucks has not no. been good. So they're third right now in the East behind the Cavs who are second. But I think this Knicks team has a great attack for themselves moving forward. Of course, when Julius Randle comes back from the dislocated shoulder, he's rehabbing and working that way and working himself back. So this Knicks team has so many, so much variety that they can bring and hit you offensively with. But also when you add this, the floor spacing of a Boyan Bogdanovich and an Alec Burks, you can't have a defense really focus in on Jalen Brunson. Now you have to really hope that whoever is drawing that assignment is ready it's, to defend. So yeah. I think the Knicks won the trade deadline on Thursday for sure. I would agree with you. I, they kind of replace and it, some of the scoring of R.J. Barrett that they lost yeah. earlier this season because he was much more of an offensive player than Oh, yeah, one, one track nine. On like, R.J. Barrett is tunnel vision yeah. when he had the basketball. I'm not looking for anybody else. All I see is the hoop <laughs> and maybe a defender or two. And either I'm going to score or I'm going to get a charge call on me. Yeah, right? (laughs) But also that the Knicks didn't have to give up a first-round pick at all for that. Like, that was amazing that they've been able to bring in OG Ananobi, to bring in Alec Burke, Bogdanovich, and not give up a first-round pick for any of that. And it also helps them out for the upcoming offseason. Yeah. They can lure in a potential free agent to A bigger name. Yeah, for sure. Or try and develop some kind of trade to create some kind of trade to get a bigger name in. Because let's just be real about this. You need at least three stars in the NBA to win a championship, yeah. right, in some form or fashion. Now, 
The Denver Nuggets are a little bit of a different story with that, the reigning NBA champions, but I feel that Nikola Jokic counts as two stars because it's just that great. But when you have Jamal Murray on your team at that point guard position, it makes life a lot easier. But with this Knicks team and what we've seen from them at the trade deadline, but then also what they have waiting in their war chest coming into the offseason, they could be a major player in the NBA for some years to come. I'm talking about for like the next three to five years if they can stay healthy. And, of course, a lot of things go their way. But what Leon Rose in this front office has been able to do in transforming this team and really this organization, when you think about it, like the Knicks are doing a lot of different things that they wouldn't do before, right, in terms of just with their marketing and their promotion mm -hmm. of the team and some of the uh, collaborations that they have, like with Kith. Everybody knows Kith out there, if, you, if you're in the know of that, of just the clothing brand that they are and bringing in rap groups like Dipset and things like that, or the locks to preview or promo in the garden, the, you know, certain songs and lyrics that just bring even more light to what this new regime is doing and what they've been able to build. So everything is looking up for New York City and the Knicks. It's going to be fun to watch them down the stretch yeah. because they, they're they going to make some serious noise in the postseason. Um, especially, I mean, yeah, the Celtics are the best team in the East right now, but yeah. they, and maybe it's because the, the all-star um, week's coming up and these are kind of the dog days where weird things happen, yeah. but the Celtics have not looked all that great over their last couple of games. I mean, Washington kind of took them to the edge Which just the surprising. other night. The Hawks only lost by less than 10, I believe. I mean, Celtics were double-digit favorites in both of those games. So they have some things to figure yeah. out on their end or just maybe more seriousness right. early on in games. They get off to terrible starts. So I, I, that's all to say that I think the Knicks have a great shot of making a deep run in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. The other, I mean, this trade deadline wasn't all that exciting. There, like, there weren't any huge names that moved right. a whole right. lot. I mean, like the Kevin Durant or anyone, any of those big time names, Buddy Heald to the 76ers Sounds from the Pacers up, yeah. gives the Sixers another shooting threat, another scoring option. Uh, what did you think of that, of, of Heald going over to Philly? And then also like, what are they going to be doing without Joel Embiid for these next yeah, couple weeks? And that's one of the reasons why they brought in Buddy Heald yeah. because they saw what the situation was going to be for Tyrese Maxey, who, has really elevated his yeah. game. He has been he stepped up a bunch. Role, right? James Harden out. Now they get more trust and really more production from Tyrese Maxey. And so he's really stepped up and proven the front office right that, hey, no, this, this kid is ready for this moment. And it shows in his shooting numbers and what he's putting up points per game. And it's a big reason why he's a first-time All-Star this year as an Eastern Conference Reserve member. But you add Buddy Hill because you need that floor spacing. Again, similar to the New York Knicks and then adding Boyan Bogdanovich. With a dynamic point guard, you cannot allow a defense to just load up on an undersized player. And that's what Maxi and Brunson are, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they're great at what they do, but also wear and tear is real. So you're going to need somebody out there on the floor that can force that defense to space out even more. So adding in a guy like Buddy Heald, who I think is coming into this situation in Philly, really motivated and encouraged because he, he had his times and his moments with the Pacers, especially this past season with just the eye-opening team the Pacers have been, especially offensively. But he never looked comfortable within that system, right? I mean, he'd be in the starting mm -hmm. lineup, out of the starting lineup, shooting numbers would be off. But I'm looking at this as a rebirth for him and understanding that now I'm with, and I'm not going to say a legit team because I think the Pacers do make the playoffs or play in, but still they have a better opportunity in Philly to win or make the Eastern Conference Finals or win an NBA championship. But it all depends on Joel Embiid. So your question about Embiid is 
they better hope he comes back. Yeah. Because if he does not come back, There's this, no this team is going to be in the play-in. No doubt. Oh, I for have sure. No, no doubt that this team will be in the play-in if Embiid does not come back and he's done for the season. I mean, they've lost all but one game since Embiid's been out, yeah. and pretty badly too. Yeah. 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 So it's not it's not looking good. Uh, for Philly right now, they certainly need Embiid back at, at least some point. One move that I thought was really positive, Milwaukee Bucks getting Patrick Beverly. Because how bad has the Bucks defense been this year? Ooh. Like, really, really bad. And it's starting to turn around a little with Doc Rivers since yeah. he's um, taken over as head coach. But Patrick Beverly is just kind of one of those players that you love him when he's on your team. You hate him <laughs> when he's the opponent. But he'll do the dirty work of playing defense yeah, and yeah. leading that that defense and kind of taking that responsibility on. So I think that improves Milwaukee just in the sense that he's going to set the tone on defense and other players better fall into place behind him. Yeah, GM John Horse and also new Bucks head coach Doc Rivers knew they needed somebody within that guard group mm-hmm. that can defend, that can say, you know what, forget scoring. My main focus every single night is defense, and they're looking around the locker room like, oh, we don't have anybody in here? Okay, <laughs> bam. We're going to trade for Patrick Beverly yep. and trade away campaign, who was the real point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. Dam- Damian Lillard is not a point guard. He's more of a scorer, yep. right? I mean, I know he's a guy that has those big moments and you want him on the floor, but campaign was more of the traditional point guard for that Bucks team. So you trade him away, and you do, I'm not going to say offense for defense but in this kind of situation it really is a little bit yeah a little bit right because we saw what they did this past summer they traded defense for for offense and they're struggling then they're like oh i guess we do need someone to play defense here because that's how you win basketball games even when doc is our new head coach we thought it was (laughs) agent griffin but no the first six games we went one and five with doc as our new head coach so we need to make yeah. some changes with our roster and try and get a defender in. But Pat Beverly is going to be that guy. Also, at the same time, you can't expect Giannis to be everywhere on the floor. Mm-hmm. I know that he can and is more than capable of doing that. But still, you're going to have to have somebody at the front line of your defense to slow down people, not stop people. You're not going to stop anybody in the NBA, but at least slow them down enough to where that opponent isn't in an offensive rhythm. So I think it's a good pickup for the Milwaukee Bucks in adding Patrick Beverly. He's going to bring that voice in the locker room, that respected voice in the locker room, that veteran leadership. And also he's a guy, when you look at his number from three in the corner, he's one of the best in the NBA in knocking down threes. He's over 40% from corner threes. So it was a good pickup. We just have to see how this works out for them long-term because now Chris Middleton is out again yeah. with another injury. All right, so it's, it's – it, Milwaukee's just in a tough position because they know the pressure that's on them. Because if they don't produce, and produce meaning get to the NBA Finals and mm-hmm. win a championship, it's going to be another lost season. Yeah, for sure. And they need to start figuring things out soon. Yeah. I mean, the All-Star break is just right around the corner. And then the All-Star break, people forget, that's not the midpoint of the season. No, We're already, we already half the midpoint yeah, of the yeah. season. I think there's so, just maybe about like 31, 32 games left. We might be just at 30, I want to say. But yeah, it's, it's, it's coming, coming. quickly. So yeah, the they the don't have a ton of time to mess around. Like they yeah. need to figure out their rotations, yeah. figure out their sets, um, and start winning games. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. come playoff times, I mean, they're going to get swallowed up. You're going to find yourself in a matchup that you do not want, like a no. three-six matchup against possibly a team that's dogged watch you. 
this season? The Indiana Pacers could oh, be in that six spot. Gosh. That could happen. You could get they have a been dog walked the by uh, the Pacers. Who, front line, from a standpoint of that, they're young, they're athletic. They don't care who you are. No, they will go. They play right hard every night, yeah, and they will see that as an opportunity against Milwaukee in a seven-game series to make a name for themselves. So, the Bucks better hope that they finish second. If they do finish third, then it's not the Pacers or the Magic. No. But still, you don't want to face a team with how the Eastern Conference is shaped right now with all the possibilities of who could be in that sixth spot. If the, if it's the Philadelphia 76ers and they somehow make that sixth spot without Joel Embiid, you're like, great, perfect. But if it is Joel Embiid... If he comes back, then you're in trouble. Good luck. Especially with how Embiid was playing prior yeah. to getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cam, over in the West right now. The L.A. Lakers didn't do anything before the deadline, but they just picked up Spencer Dinwiddie off the buyout market. And that was something that you called saying that that would be a good fit for L.A. prior. No doubt. No doubt. And they got him for one and a half million. So they're able to sign him just a little bit more than the veterans minimum. But Dinwiddie's an L.A. native. Right. So he's back home. Good weather. You know how good weather makes you feel. We saw that the past few days in Chicago. Right. Did you notice that everyone was. More positive. Like the positivity happy. in the city was people great. I was street. holding the door open for people. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we don't do that here in Chicago no, when not it's at cold. All. So, like, when you get that good weather around you, and especially if you're back home, you just you, yeah. your, your body moves differently. Like, you feel good. So, I think Dinwiddie, from what we've seen, and not this season, because his shooting numbers have been really down, just his efficiency with that. But what we've seen from the Dinwiddie as a Dallas Maverick when he was there and what he was able to do in scoring the basketball, that could really help the Lakers because not only are you also adding another ball handler, Gabe Vincent has been dealing with that knee mm-hmm. issue throughout season. the season. So we really haven't seen Gabe Vincent only on a limited basis. But now you bring size, you bring athleticism, you bring a score and ball handling to that guard group that's going to take a little pressure off of a D'Angelo Russell, off of an Austin Reeves, right? Now people are going to say, okay, how do we scheme for Spencer Dinwiddie and look at a lineup possibly where it's going to be LeBron, Anthony Davis, Spencer Dinwiddie, Austin Reeves, and you could probably throw in a a Torian Prince or Jared Vanderbilt when he gets back from his foot injury. That's a lineup that could really give you some issues on the defensive end. So Dinwiddie is a guy that understands what this is, that this is going to be his greatest opportunity to win an NBA championship right now with this roster. So I think it was a great pickup by GM Rob Palenka of the Lakers. Does it move the needle enough for the Lakers to actually win a championship? No. Right. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, Spencer it's Dinwiddie not is not the no, man you bring in to, not, to no. lead it's not happening. to it's a championship not happening. season. I'm worried for the Lakers. Because there, 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 are, there are two people that during the trade deadline and ahead of the trade deadline were just watching everybody make their moves. There's one guy in the Western Conference and one guy in the Eastern Conference. The one guy in the Western Conference – Nikola Jokic, just yep. sitting back watching everybody make their moves. Oh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, nice. you know, the Raptors yeah. picked him up in the trade. He got waived. Oh, it's rumored that he's going to be with the Lakers. Oh, here he is going to be with the Lakers. That's great for you guys. Jimmy Butler over in the East. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Knicks. You got Boyan Bogdanovich. Great job. You know what? You guys needed a shooter. It is perfect. But they are saying in their heads, when we get you in a seven-game series, especially Jimmy Butler and those Heat, you know what's going to happen. You're going to be vacationing sooner than you thought. So <laughs> it's going to be possibly another rematch of the NBA Finals. I wouldn't hate that. Year. I wouldn't Nuggets hate that heat. at all. Watch out. Bruce Murray, host of Sirius XM Blitz, coming up on the other side. We're heading back to more Super Bowl talk. Welcome back to The Better Angle here on the BetQL Network. Kate Constable and Cam Smith hanging out with you. 
we got another hour and a half or so, Cam, and we've got plenty to talk about because the Super yeah. Bowl is tomorrow, and there's about a zillion prop bets out there. Everywhere. Man. You can you can literally bet on anything. Yeah. Like Gatorade color, coin toss. You I, were telling me before the show about a family member that put down <laughs> a wild bet yeah. with a wild amount Yeah, Cam. that had me concerned. I'm a little concerned, uh, too. My stepdad has bet on the coin toss heads and the San Francisco 49ers to win the coin toss. $400 each. Ooh. We're trying to get rich here. Man. I know. I didn't even advise that. I just got a bet slip sent to me. I'm I'm judging, but I won't judge <laughs> if it hits. If it hits, then it's if just it like, hits. you know what? You, you saw it. You saw something I didn't see. Hey, he said if it hits, we'll go on a vacation. Oh, okay. With the, what, $120 <laughs> that we get? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so heads is um, what I'm rooting for okay, tomorrow. But he, he he doesn't know that tails never fails. He, he does, mm, doesn't know I that. I don't think he knows that. Are we believe, Randy, do you believe in tails never fails, Kev? 100%. 100%. Okay. There we go. There we All go. right. Let's get to uh, our guest here, Bruce Murray, host of Sirius XM Blitz. Bruce, I know you're in Vegas. I know it's been a crazy week. What's kind of just been the biggest highlight of your week so far? Uh, the biggest highlight of the week was one of two non-sports related items, either Keegan Michael Key, who was the host of the NFL Honors on Thursday night. Um, and I had a chance to chat with him last year as well. Big Lions fan. He reminded me of how bad they were last year in our conversation. I was excited because he's enthusiastic now. And maybe Kenny Chesney, huge football fan, Steelers fan. But look, you know what Super Bowl week is like. I mean, Super Bowl week is really bizarre because you go there and you spend about five minutes talking about the football game and about 12 hours talking about bounty, you know, paper towel and uh, Marcona <laughs> right? and all the energy drinks. And then you wake up on Friday and you go, wait, wait a second, there's actually a game coming up this weekend. I better start talking about that. Bruce, uh, the question I have for you is you – know, how many hours of sleep have you gotten throughout this week, man? Because Kate and I were talking about just when you're in that environment, you're in that atmosphere, you're going to have those late night, early morning. So I'm, do we want to set uh, a, a line a, a line for them? Or how about how? over under uh, four and a half hours a night? You can try and you will lose, Kate. I will tell you that. <laughs> Randy Merkin knows this as well as anybody. I'm somewhat of a Boy Scout. My sleep is very important to me. Uh, I made sure, you know, our, our call time at the set was – between 7.30 and 8 every morning. I was actually in bed with the exception of two nights by 11 o'clock. Does that make me sound bad, doesn't it? That's impressive. Wow. Okay, all right, it all right. makes me sound terrible. It hey, Bruce, as someone who's in bed on weeknights by 9 o'clock, asleep by 9.30, I love that. Same, same. I love so that. You know. same. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bruce, I know that you are a big foodie, loves to eat. Um, what are yes. some of the, the the best meals that you've had so far? Because I imagine there's plenty of good restaurants in Vegas, a lot of good spots. What have you been eating? So, so you know, Vegas is a bizarre place because it's not like you find the hole in the wall that has, like, a great pasta. Everything is larger than life. So, like, Giada, the, the, the chef, has had a, had a restaurant in the Cosmopolitan. Went over there, had an excellent meal. You know, I, I was there for five nights and only got to eat out three times because uh, when we got into town late Sunday night, too late for dinner, Monday, 
did the show in the morning and then went straight to the stadium for Super Bowl opening night. Thursday, did our show, had to go straight over to resorts for NFL honors. So as much as everybody thinks it's like an eating frenzy, you have less time to eat. And then um, I saw you two on Wednesday night. That was one of the highlights of the week as well. But that called for early. So only really one great big meal where you got to sit down and actually enjoy it. And Vegas, Vegas is just weird. It's all restaurants from someplace else, if that makes sense. It's like the best restaurants in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and Houston and Dallas, they're all in Vegas. So there's nothing terribly unique about Las Vegas when it comes to eating. Was you two, uh, did you see them in the sphere? Yes, we did. Yes. How, what was that like? Phenomenal. It's, it's, I highly recommend it. You know, people go, how was the concert? The, the sphere is more of a, an all-encompassing experience with the video that's there and the way they're set up and the way that building is set up. The acoustics are incredible. You don't see a speaker. They're all behind the wall. Um, it, it, it was really, it was a, a really great experience, different than anything I'd ever seen. I mean, I, I highly recommend it, even though their residency is ending pretty soon. Oh, man. So go do that. If We're going to do that quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, get all there right. fast. All right, Bruce, let's get into this game, this matchup with the Niners' favorite as uh, minus two favorites in this thing. I mean, has anything changed your mind in terms of entering this week and where you are now to say, okay, well, maybe you thought it was the Niners that could win this or the Chiefs that could win this, but maybe it's flipped at some point. So nothing, nothing has really changed. I mean, San Francisco comes into this game the healthier of the football teams, although Kansas City's not really suffering through uh, too many big injuries. I, look, I do think the injury to Joe Tooney on the offensive line, that could be impactful. Um, you've got a guy that's not going to be out there on the defensive line. That's going to be impactful. But the reality is they've won without those guys before. So not, not all that much has changed. I mean, what do we see coming into this game? We saw Kansas City do something that everybody said they're not going to be able to do, go to Buffalo, go to Baltimore, win football games. They did that, and they did it without the attention being paid to what they do offensively, but what they did defensively. I mean, they scored 17 points and won a football game. San Francisco, despite their pass here, they have not played great defense. You've got guys in that locker room that were calling out the defensive performance in the championship game. And I sit back and I go, hold on, if Tayshawn Gibson sees on film something that made him uncomfortable in a championship game, this isn't about, boy, guys, are we ready to play this one? That, that's a little concerning. Um, I, I think the, the small nuances of the game, let me say this, favor the Kansas City Chiefs. And I picked against Kansas City in Buffalo. I picked against them in Baltimore. And I said this on the air Friday, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me a third time, I'm going to be looking for work. I, look, I don't know if there's going to be a turnover that determines the outcome of this game, a punt return, a kick return, but I think if everything goes as planned, I'm giving Kansas City a slight edge. Bruce, we said the exact same thing and to start off our show, very first segment, um, betting against Mahomes in the divisional round, the championship round, yeah, it just you can't do it anymore. At some point, we have to le learn our lesson. So Cam and I are right. both on uh, the Chiefs as well. In terms of the total in this game, forty-seven and a half. I mean, nothing crazy low, nothing crazy high. Do you? How do you see this game playing out in terms of pace and scoring and where the total will end up? See, you're talking about two teams that I think if you were going to order them from one to thirty-two, this is one-two in terms of the coaches and their ability to script those first either the first series and or the second series, depending on how many plays it takes. They're both great at scoring on those first drives of the game. They're both great at pressuring defenses. Now, I think it's more important for San Francisco to get points early in this football game. But 
my instincts tell me that we could have some points early before things settle in. 47 and a half, it's like right around that number. Like I could see a 27-24 game. So I, I think if I was pressed on it, I'll take heads. I'm with your dad. So I think <laughs> I'll go over the number. But, but I, I, that's like right – listen, that, that's why they make these lines, to make it challenging. To, to, me, to me, it reeks of probably 50 – slightly over 50 points in this game. 30 to 27, 27 to 24. I don't see this game playing out the way the AFC championship game. I mean, let, let's not forget something else. It's perfect conditions. Right. We're not talking about wind. We're not talking about cold. We're not talking about rain. We're not talking about routes not being able to run. We're not talking about balls being hard to catch. Uh, I think they're going to be reasonably effective offensively. And, Bruce, I think that's a bigger issue when it comes to the Chiefs' defense that's been great. But when you think of the weapons that the Niners have offensively, what do you think that they can exploit against this Chiefs' defense that held the Ravens to only 10 points in the AFC Championship, which was phenomenal, and just seeing what they've been able to do against some of the best offenses in their playoff run, I mean, with Miami, with Buffalo, and also Baltimore, all those teams were top 10 in the regular season in points per game, but looked like shells of themselves against that Chiefs defense. So what can the Niners do offensively to really help themselves and exploit the Chiefs defense? Well, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but we know what the answer is. They've got to be able to run the football against this team. And, and I know it sounds cliche, and it is cliche, but there's a reality. Look, what does Brock Purdy struggle with, if he struggles with anything at all? He struggles with pressure up the middle. He's not the biggest of guys. If, you know, if, if, if Chris Jones is attacking the middle, if Wharton's attacking the middle, if any of those guys are coming up the middle and get him off his spot, they can make him uncomfortable. How do you do that? You establish that running game and get it going early. But, you know, you mentioned what Kansas City has done, not just in the postseason, really all season long until they got this offense going. You know, people will talk about the guys in the, the big game guys in this game, Mahomes and Kelsey. We can talk about the guys in San Francisco. But Steve Spagnuolo is a big game coach. I don't know what it is that separates some guys, but first of all, we know what Andy Reid and his history is coming out of buys. Give them an extra week to prepare. Shanahan's very good as well. But Spagnuolo somehow has just become that guy that is going to make, make you beat him without – beating him with what you do best. And that's going to be a great challenge for San Francisco. Look, they've got to control the ball. I don't think they can fall to fall behind. I, you know, I know they did against Detroit. People are going to say, what are you talking about? They can come from behind. I wouldn't want to come from behind against this Kansas City team. Uh, I think they've got to run the football. I think they've got to control the clock more than Kansas City does. And I do think they have to get out to a lead. I'd hate to be playing uphill if I was in San Francisco right now. Bruce, you mentioned the NFL honors the other night, and I know you are able to vote for a lot of those awards. Is there anyone who you voted for that didn't win? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of people <laughs> a lot that I voted for that I didn't win. I voted for D'Amico Ryan for Coach of the Year. We saw how close that vote was. It was literally separated by first-place votes. Yep. And, and a little history here. I've been voting on these awards and the All-Pro team for about seven years. Up until three years ago, when the Associated Press was run by an individual named Barry Wilner, it was one, one vote per person. You got your MVP, cast your vote, that's it. Tom Brady gets 46, somebody gets four, that's the way the vote goes. The last couple of years, we've now voted for the MVP, it's the top five, and for all the other awards, it's the top three. And we saw how that came into play this year, because Ryan and Stefanski got the same amount of first-place votes. Now, if there were no seconds and thirds, I wonder who would have won that award. But I voted for D'Amico Ryans um, as coach of the year. I think it's easy to forget that they started the season with a rookie quarterback, mm -hmm. a rookie play caller, and a rookie coach. 
and somehow not only played themselves into the postseason, but went to Baltimore, and to a man, they all thought they were going to beat the Ravens. But they won a playoff game. I know that the award is a regular season award. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was the one that I thought they missed. And I was, I was on with all the other ones. And, of course, there was a great debate after it was handed out on Thursday night, comeback player of the year. Look, I voted for Joe Flacco. I had people coming up to me and saying, how can you not vote for DeMar Hamlin? You want to? And, and let me say this, so, so you guys know this. There's no guidance on that award. They don't tell you what qualifies for it. It's all in your gut. If, if Hamlin played a full season, he probably would have gotten a lot more support. And he got support. But, but playing just a few games that he did, I think, got in his way. And that's why we saw Flacco walk off with the award. I'm, I'm with you there. I think yeah. Flacco, I didn't have a problem with him winning the award. I mean, DeMar Hamlin, his comeback was fantastic. Yeah. But on, on the field stuff, football-related stuff, Flacco, I believe, is the right person to win uh, that award. Bruce, thanks yeah. so much for jumping on with us today. We really appreciate it. I know you've been busy this week. Uh, but always love to have you on the show. Uh, listen, let, let's just hope for one thing, a, a great game to finish the season, which is what we're all expecting. That's there right. Go, That's, That's all we can ask about. for. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Bruce Murray, a host of Sirius XM Blitz on Sirius XM Radio. I love having Bruce Murray. Yeah, I was, I was, can I give you a little history? I yeah. produced Bruce's show with this guy named Bob Berger, great host, for like seven years uh, around the NFL, college football today. And we went to like seven or eight Super Bowls together. And other, We went to Final Fours. We went to the PGA Championship, and before we even talked about setting up guests, Bruce would say to me, Randy, do we have dinner set up yet? We need, we need, <laughs> it's, it's we need great, reservations. That is. We need reservations for Bruce dinner. That, and I'm not kidding. He was more concerned about making sure we had good dinner set up <laughs> than he was about the guests. The guests will come. They'll be fine. We'll get guests. But do we have the dinner set up? Because those are going to be tougher to get. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's a little hint of Rodney Dangerfield in yeah. that as well. I get no respect. <laughs> hey, Bruce is a man that likes to have a good meal and get hey, to bed early. Hey, I'm, I'm the same way, Bruce. <laughs> You're speaking my language with that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, but Bruce coming on the show, and this is a credit to Randy, and just talked about his relationship with Bruce. But mm -hmm. he is a great, great mind to have when it comes to this NFL conversation. And also... Food. Like, Food, he, he yeah. knows his stuff, but more importantly, <laughs> NFL and who he is and what he does for Sirius XM. It's just the insight that he yeah. brings that is always great. And being, uh, he's able to vote on all this stuff, yes. like, yeah. well respected, has a hand in everything. Um, what did you think? <laughs> Steve Stefanski? <laughs> they messed that up in the NFL honors. Like, that who? was a uh, that was a little bit of an uh, I'm, I, gasp I'm, I'm sure when that happened. Kevin Stefanski is like, wait a minute, my, my uh, cousin won yeah, the who? award, won what? NFL head coach of the year. What, wait, what's going on? No, um, yeah, that was that was weird. But I'm with Bruce Murray. I thought that D'Amico Ryan's should have been coach of the year in the NFL. Bruce laid it all out, but what he was able to do with that Texans team, nobody gave them any type of no. expectations of positive expectations for what they were able to do and they achieved a lot yeah surpassed those More expectations uh mvp for super bowl 58 who will that be we have some thoughts stick with us here on the better angle cam we've done uh, quite a few props yes We've done some novelty stuff with the coin yeah. flip. We yeah. still have a little bit more to get into. We got to talk about Usher and the halftime show. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Gatorade bath color. I have some thoughts on that. By the way, we hope, we're hoping to talk to uh, Joey Chestnut at, at 5 o'clock. That is right. So he'll give us his pick and then talk about what he eats 
for the Super Bowl. I want to know what Joey's Super Bowl spread looks like. Yeah, and I want to know if he would eat the surf and turf nachos. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a great know, question. I think that I think we have to ask him like, that. Yeah, we got to. We got to. Yeah, for These sure. These are hard-hitting questions that yeah. people want to know. <laughs> that's why people come and listen to the better angle. Yeah. Because we ask the hard-hitting questions. Always. And throw in some some Some, some random answers. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> some random bets here and there. Uh, betting on the MVP. Mm-hmm. For the most part, Cam. I'm a quarterback award, right? Yep. The winning, the team who wins, the winning quarterback is the MVP for the most part. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite, which is interesting because the 49ers are favored to win the game, yet Patrick Mahomes is the favorite for MVP. How does that work? Uh, plus 145 over at BetMGM. Brock Purdy, second shortest odds at plus 230. And then you go Christian McCaffrey at 450. Travis Kelsey at 12 to 1. If you weren't going to take a, okay, I was looking at me like, I do have, I did bet Travis Kelsey. Okay. I have some okay. Travis Kelsey money out there. And I got him at 16 to 1. So I got it last week. I mean, 12 to 1, 16 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big difference. Is he going to win it? Most likely not. Yeah. Um, because if he ends up with two touchdowns, 100 some yards, who's throwing him the ball? Exactly. Like Patrick Mahomes exactly. is. So yeah. it. It's going to go to Patrick Mahomes, who had over 100 yards passing and two touchdowns. The only thing that would get me to Kelsey is fatigue from Mahomes, but I don't know if that's there yet. We saw that with Brady a little bit. Edelman won it one year. I just, I don't think we're there yet with Patrick Mahomes. And then I need the Swifties to come through on the fan vote. Because 20% (laughs) of this voting is fans. 20%? No. 20%. No. I'm dead serious. No. Why do they... It, oh, 20 I know you hate fan no, voting. Hate NBA fan All-Star voting. game. I hate it's so, it's so it. dumb for this it. too. Well, because you you're right. The Swifties are going to come out in full yeah, force and for sure. even if the 49ers win, I bet you Travis Kelsey gets Travis, most of those 20 Travis Kelsey could have one catch for 8 yards and that's it and would yeah. win the fan vote because for the Swifties sure. would be out. For sure. So, and the in I'm sorry. I got I got I got I just got to go on a rant right now. Because All right, the this, floor is this, yours. This, this fan voting thing is getting ridiculous, and not just because we're talking about it with the NFL, but the biggest issue that I have with it is with the NBA as well. It is too high of a percentage for fans to be voting on certain spots for all-star teams or MVP awards. We should not do this. We should stop this. NFL, Roger Goodell, NBA, Adam Silver, you will not lose fans if you take away the fan vote. Stop giving fans this type of power when it comes to having a sway of a guy like, let's say, Jalen Brunson should have been all-star starter for the Eastern Conference. Or Anthony Edwards should have been all-star starter for the Western Conference. Those are the issues that I have. And when I talk about Brunson and the situation with Damian Lillard, they were neck and neck with the votes from the players and then well not even from the players and the media because Brunson had a better spot from the players and the media. But then when it came down to the fan vote, that's where Lillard mm-hmm. got the pushover. I do not want to see this tomorrow. When no, you go back we do want to see Travis Kelsey win the MVP tomorrow. <laughs> well, I mean yeah for sure. For that. Come on. But, but but if he does not have a game that is MVP worthy. Yes, then it, I do not want to see it if he doesn't vote, deserve it. Right. Exactly. I, I, I don't see a world that he wins MVP because, to your point, if he mm-hmm. has two catches, someone has to throw that football to him. We know it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, yeah. right? If you want to find value 
for someone outside of that quarterback spot that I think could have an impact is got to be Isaiah Pacheco. Mm -hmm. I think that he's a guy that could have a big game with the run game of the Kansas City Chiefs because the blueprint has been out on the Niners' run defense, and the Lions really, really exposed them. Also, the Green Bay Packers exposed yeah. them as well. I mean, Aaron Jones had himself over 100 day. yards. Right, exactly. Balling, and he had a 53-yard run in the fourth quarter as well. So if you want to attack the Niners, it's on the ground. And it helps out with the Chiefs because they have some options throwing mm -hmm. the football. Now the guys are catching the football these days. That's big, and you have the threat of Travis Kelsey. But Isaiah Pacheco at 22-1 to 1 would be my choice to put some money down for someone to win MVP that's a non-quarterback. So I think that Patrick Mahomes at plus 145 will win the award. If the Chiefs win the ball game, if it's the Niners, then I don't even think that Brock Purdy is that number one guy. McCaffrey. Yeah, McCaffrey has to be there. Possibly it's a Debo because you would think that they're going to make those plays and find life in the end zone. So those would be my options for non-quarterbacks. One for the Chiefs and, and Isaiah Pacheco at 22-1, to one, but also Christian McCaffrey and mm -hmm. Debo Samuel for the 49ers. McCaffrey plus 450 and Debo's at 25-1. to one. Yeah, I could I could be talked into. In fact, I might be putting some money on McCaffrey before the day's over. Okay. Um, just side note here, over at BetMGM, you can get this. Chiefs over 103 and a half rushing total rushing yards for even money. Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah, Chiefs well, to have over 103 103 and a half total rushing yards. I'm, I'm, at even I'm, money. I am spending all of my money in my account on is all that, of these props. This is this is too good to be true. But Aaron you know Jones I mean? alone. I know that's you know why when that happens because it is too good. I've exactly. I I did bet this this morning, but it it made me a little nervous because it seems too easy. But if you look at the Chiefs' numbers, they haven't no the the 49ers' defensive numbers. During the regular season, they didn't allow a whole lot of teams over 100 rushing yards. Yeah. But these last two games, it's been the complete opposite. So it's like, what version are we getting? I would like to believe it's the version of the team we've seen the last two weeks right. because yeah. that's more recent uh, a form yeah. that they've been in versus um, early on in the season. Agreed, agreed. I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's just, again, I'm wrapping yeah. my head around that problem. It's weird. Like, this is and it was, it was um, plus money like two days ago, and I should have jumped on it then. I mean, yeah. plus 110, but it, yeah, that just doesn't seem right. How about this prop? What about more than two and a half people throw a football? I like that. I've heard that as and well. It's plus money as well. Yeah, I, I mean, you have a trick play. You got him. It's a Super Bowl. People are pulling pulling out their best. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. With that offense. I think Debo so. Debo Samuel. Yeah. More than capable of throwing a football. Christian McCaffrey. If any, if either of the quarterbacks get a little banged up, have to go out. I mean, yeah, the backup's likely just going to hand it off, but right. you, there's the chance that they throw it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's any chance? The Chiefs bring that to play that would have been a touchdown if uh, Tony wasn't lined up offsides against the Bills. Yeah, that's – yeah. That, they're saying if that play had counted, it would have been one of the greatest finishes. Yes. Now, the Bills still had a chance to score, but do you, they, think they, do you think the Chiefs bring a version of that play to this game? I think so. Yeah. That play was off script, though, wasn't it? Are you talking about the Travis Kelsey lateral play? Oh, that yeah. was off script. It was off script. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't designed, well, which is what made it so great. They should – to make it a play. You make yeah, it a design play and right. use it.
Um, so Kevin Kenny are going at each other in this chat right oh, now. It's, They're kind of just it's, like it's spicy in the chat. Fighting. Right now with Kevin and Kenny. Uh, you guys want to get in here and give us a little take on what's going on? Yeah, I have a theory, and he doesn't like my theory. Uh, I have a theory that there's only four players that can win MVP. Like, there's only like obviously anyone can win, but I, I think it's down to four. Like, if you're gonna put your money anywhere, it's four players. It's Mahomes, Kelsey, CMC, or Debo. If you start on the Niners side, we know the narrative around Brock Purdy. There's a reason people weren't serious about him winning MVP. There's a reason CMC had better odds to win MVP than him, uh, especially at the end of the year. Like, if the Niners win, it's most likely the credit is going to go to someone else other than Brock Purdy. That's just what the narrative is around this team. Unless he has a game where he throws for, like, four touchdowns and 350, which we all can agree, or at least we all assume he's not doing against this Chiefs team. So we assume that if the Niners win, the credit likely goes to CMC or Debo or maybe a Kittle or maybe a Ayuk, but most likely one of the two go off between CMC or Debo. On the Chiefs side, you talked about the fan vote. That's a very real thing. That is that is a very, very real thing that people have to take into account. And we know the bias and the narrative around Patrick Mahomes about how bad is the Chiefs offense. And oh my God, Patrick Mahomes is lifting up this terrible Chiefs offense with guys on the team who can't catch the football. That's been the narrative the entire year. Those things get carried into this game, and even if it's a mediocre performance from Patrick Mahomes, but the Chiefs win and nothing else special happens in the game, Mahomes wins. So, like, obviously he's a favorite. There's a reason for that. But I look at those four players, and I think if I'm placing my money, I'll just put a little sprinkle on all of them, and I think I'm walking away with money by, you know, 9 p.m. on Sunday night Central Time. So, I don't know. We could talk this through. I know we're running out of time, but that's my theory. Do we have any objections to my theory? Yeah. yeah, I do. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, get him, get him, get him. Well, easily win Super Bowl MVP. Wait, who did you say? Brock Purdy and Isaiah Pacheco, I would add to his list. And like those are the big six for me. And then, of course, a defensive player. I think a lot of defensive players who are very talented are worth a like tiny sprinkle, like 10 cents, 50 cents to win like 60 bucks. It's definitely worth it. So that's how I look at it. I'm not... I'm not too keen on a defensive player winning MVP because you're you're looking at a guy that has to have either a pick six, a fumble recovery, and multiple sacks for a defensive player to win MVP. I just think that when it comes to these awards for MVP, we saw it with the NFL MVP. It's a quarterback award. Yeah. It's an offensive player award. So I'm not saying that it can't happen, Kenny, and I see that you guys in the chat kept put in kept put in Fred Warner at two hundred to one. Like <laughs> I that wouldn't was be kind mad of a joke. if it hits. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be mad if it hits, but still. Ten cents. Yeah, I feel you can do ten cents. But Save I, your ten cents. <laughs> <laughs> it can go towards better things. <laughs> but I think it's, it's with the four that Kev mentioned, but you add in your two, Kenny, and Brock Purdy or Isaiah Pacheco. I think Isaiah Pacheco, 22-1, mm -hmm. to one, would be a nice one payout, but you don't have to put a lot down, but it's a great option for you to have just in case, just in case. We see two offenses going against some great defenses, and they are two of the best defenses that we've seen throughout the regular season. Oh, San Francisco's looked a little funny in the light in the playoffs. But you go against these defenses, it could be a drag them out, slug it out type of game. That's where the run game comes into play, mm -hmm. like a McCaffrey or Isaiah Pacheco. So that's why I throw Pacheco in that, and that's why I'm putting some money down for him to win MVP. Cam, do you remember Super Bowl 2020, though, real quick? Damian Williams had that great game. It was Chiefs-Niners. Damian Williams had 104 yards, one touchdown. Like, everyone thought he should have won. Patrick Holmes didn't have a great game. He only had two touchdowns, 286 yards, and two picks. 
and I believe the award. Did, wait, did Damon win? I'm, Patrick Holmes still no, won Mahomes, the. No, Holmes won. Mahomes, yeah, yeah, Mahomes, yeah, that's my point. So that's what I mean when I say it's most likely Mahomes, but. Can, it has to be for Pacheco that he has to get at least, at least two, two touchdowns, touchdowns yep. at least, at the bare minimum, and somewhere between 100 to 150 rushing yards. Yeah. If he has that, then I think he has a great case. Joey Chestnut, coming up on the other side. Stick with us here in the better angle.